everybody it's wednesday again it's let's chat and it's wonderful to be with you i love coming and spending time with you and i love just researching and studying deep so that i can get what god is wanting to say in this hour for you guys in this time so let's open in prayer and then we will continue the teaching father i want to thank you for your glory i want to thank you for your anointing i want to thank you for your grace I ask for the seven spirits before the throne to just dwell over me today so that I can impart everything that your spirit has for them to hear today. And I thank you for revelational knowledge, for people's eyes to be open to see what they've never seen before. And I want to thank you for little nuggets of truth that will never leave them as we just spend time together in your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, it's wonderful to be with you. And I'm continuing in the course that I've been running called The Mysteries of God. If you can see that cover, oh, I'm not, there we go, The Mysteries of God. And we've been unpacking every week just something more about the mysteries of God. And, and today, I specifically want to continue talking about the Holy Spirit, which is the most powerful force on earth because it's the only spirit, the only part of the Godhead that is with us today. The Father is in the heavenly realms. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit is available to us. And we know so little about the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to try and talk a bit slower today because I get excited. And when I get excited, I end up coughing. So let's hope I'll be successful in getting that going well today. Okay. I spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit last week, about how we receive Him, how we wait until He comes upon us. And now I want to talk about the outpouring of the end times of Acts 2 verse 16 to 21. Now our Father's desire with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days is to reveal the secrets of His mysteries. For two reasons. To prepare the bride for the coming of our Lord Jesus. The bride is being prepared for the bridegroom. I said last week an error that they will, she will be unequally yoked. There was an error, slip of the tongue. He will not come back for an unequally yoked bride. He's coming back for a bride that he is equally yoked with. A bride that looks like him, that thinks like him, that behaves like him, that has his appearance, that has his heart, that has his mind, that has his strength. That's what he's coming back for. And to be able to do that, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit to prepare that bride for the coming of her bridegroom and we know revelation ends by saying the spirit and the lord said the spirit and the bride say come lord jesus come we are so close to the coming of our lord jesus christ you know the outpouring of the last days started the day of pentecost 2022 years ago but we are in the final hour maybe even the final half an hour maybe even the final 15 minutes who knows we are in the final season of the outpouring of the last days and so how much more is it relevant to us today and how much more powerful is it for us today acts 2 verse 16 to 21 says so the first thing is to prepare the bride for the coming of the bridegroom and the second thing is for the final harvest you know he said that the the angels are going to be sent into the harvest fields and he says there's a final harvest coming in because so much of his bride doesn't know him yet and friends he's not coming back for a part bride He's coming back for the whole bride. And remember, he's not coming back for Christians. He's coming back for those who do the work of the Father. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Okay, in Acts 2 it says, uh, verse 16 to 21, But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So we see Joel prophesied about it. Peter picked up about it after the outpouring of the Spirit. And he says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. So he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. The whosoever, the anybody who desires it, because to have it, I told you, you've got to want it, you've got to wait for it. I will pour out, abundantly pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. That means the people that you are equipping and training for the kingdom's sake, your own physical children, but the children that you are spiritually mentoring into the fullness of God. I'm going to pour out my spirit on them, both men and women. I want to tell you, friends, Paul wrote and he said, it is no longer Jew or Gentile, male or female. We are all sons of God and we all have the same privileges as children of God. 
And he says in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on men and women. That means men and women will bring the word of God. The people you've equipped, you've trained, they're going to be able to pour out my spirit under my anointing and bring the word that the Father has for them. He says, um, your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. These are the congregants, the church, the people that you've equipped to come into the fullness of God, the prophetic people, the end time prophetic people. And I just want to tell you this. That the counterfeit of the end time prophetic church is the new age movement. And that is why there's so much, that is why there's so much compromise, but that's also why there's so much counterfeit. The new age movement is the exact counterfeit to the truth of God. And that is why, friends, we have to understand what truth looks like. Remember dealing with the real notes so that you can pick up the counterfeit because it's so similar. But the, they are so close. The one is just a copy of the other. Other. You know, like you get some really good Chinese copies of the real thing, but they don't last the same and they end up in different directions. The one leads us to the Father and the other one leads us straight into hell. It goes on to say this, um, on my servants and my handmaidens, both men and women. Now in the Old Testament, when Joel wrote this, often when they spoke about the servant of God, he would be talking about the prophets of God. And so they would say, my servant, the prophet, my servant, the prophet. So it says, even on my servants, prophets, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy. So we see that the prophecy, visions, and dreams are all connected to hearing God and bringing forth what God is saying, warning, revealing, exposing, preparing us for in this time. And remember, he's preparing us for the second coming of Jesus. It's just around the corner, friends. It says that as the, the like with birth pains, as the signs and the increase of things start happening quicker and more powerfully, You'll know that the day is soon. And gosh, if we just look at what's been happening in our world just in two years, we know people can't keep up with the changes in the world. Goes on to say this. Um, and I will show, and the word show means something to be um, observed, bestowed, or a gift. I will show, as I'm pouring out my spirit, I'm also going to be giving you a gift of wonders in the heaven above. Now the word wonders means phenomenons. It means warnings. It means miracles. It means something to be marveled at. So God says, as I pour out my spirit, I'm also going to give you the gift of something to be marveled at, of, of a mir miracles, of something to be seen. And that will be the signs on the earth. Those will be the marks on the earth. So you will not only see it on people, but you're going to see things happening on the earth. You're going to see things happening around the world. And they're going to be a sign and they're going to be a wonder. And it's me giving you the gift to prepare you and to show you what's about to happen. Um, it also means the signs mean unusual occurrences, tr transcending the normal course of nature. It means a remarkable event. And friends, haven't we seen remarkable events? Wow. If we just think of all the things that have happened lately, it just doesn't fit into the normal. It's not normal. Things are happening that's that we can't even contain, understand, but it's all the evidence of the outpouring and of Jesus coming soon. It means to signify or to show. It means miracles, wonders, authenticated by God, and it means ceremonial or supernatural indications. So it says, I will show wonders in heaven above. So we're going to see things in the heavens <coughs> and signs on the earth. Then it says, um, on the earth beneath, and then it says blood and fire. Now the word blood means literally the blood of men or animals. It also figuratively means the atonement drink or grape juice, but it also means bloodshed or violence. Now God is saying that as the signs start happening and as things start getting closer, I start showing you things to marvel at. There's also going to be bloodshed. Now, when we see how incredible the last few years have been and how many riots and how many violent attacks and all these things, God is saying one of the things that you're going to know the end is increasing is because there's going to be the shedding of blood. And it goes on to say, and fire. Now, the word fire or lightning means the glory of God. And he says, and vapor or smoke. Well, the word smoke means the glory cloud of God. So he says there is going to be signs 
the wonders in the heavens, signs on the earth, you're also going to see an increase of bloodshed and you're going to see fire. Fire, the glory of God, the outpouring of fire, the fire on people's lives. And I've been talking all about the fire of God and the glory cloud. Now that says you go more and more into the presence of God as we worship more until the, the kabod glory or the doxa glory start, the heaviness of God manifests. And then the next thing, the Shekinah, which is a glory cloud. And it comes and it overwhelms people and they come under the glory and that's where the supernatural happens. But it's also the glory cloud that hides things and protects things and covers things because it's God himself manifesting among the people. It says the sun, which literally means the sun or the daylight, light of the day, shall turn to darkness. Now, I find this amazing when you read about how much work is trying to be done to try and shadow the sun. And it goes on to say, and darkness means blindness. It means metaphorically ignorance, ungodliness, immorality, people in whom darkness becomes visible. So people that are operating in darkness, that are seeking darkness, shady characters and something that's obscure. So it's talking about a darkness that's happening within the lives of people, but it's also talking about a physical darkness that is trying to overwhelm the earth. The moon will turn into blood before that great and glorious day of the Lord coming. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he says, guys, you're going to know the outpouring of my spirit and it's going to be increasingly until I come back. People are going to prophesy, both men and women. There's going to be an anointing of people being able to bring the word of God, men and women, people you training, people that I've chosen to do the work that I've got. You're going to see incredible wonders in the skies above, unusual things that are not normal. You're going to see the symptoms on the earth below. You're going to see signs and wonders on the earth below. There's going to be an increase of bloodshed. There's going to be fire, but it's the glory of God that's going to be manifesting. And there's going to be vapors of smoke, which literally means the glory cloud. The sun is going to be darkened. The light is going to not be relevant anymore as it means the sun or the light. People are not going to want to stand for truth and light anymore. And we see that every single day when we see what the political spirits are demanding from our children, from lifestyle. We know that light and absolutes and what's God and what's not God is being blurred and darkness is coming. But it also means the sun and darkness, physical darkness. So there's an increase of spiritual, moral and emotional darkness on the world as people are hankering after more and more evil. But there's also going to be a darkness that overshadows the actual earth, not just the people. That aligns itself with Isaiah 60 where it says, Arise and shine. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, a darkness covers the earth, a deep darkness the people. But the glory has risen on you. Friends, we got it. We got the glory. We got the light. We just got to go and reach other people in this dark time and reveal it to them. And then it says, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when all this is happening, when all this darkness is, so you've got darkness happening in the world, you've got the outpouring of the Spirit on the children of God, whoever, and there's an incredible cry out for salvation. And Jesus says, when all this is happening, you will know that I'm coming back soon. And I want you to understand I'm releasing my Spirit to be there to empower you so that you can walk in the fullness of glory. With the outpouring, all who desire more can receive who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, and what gift he brings. And so it's really important for us to understand the Holy Spirit, to understand who he is, what he does, what gifts he brings, and how available his gifts are to us. Because without that, friends, we are not going to be able to, to carry the glory of God. Remember the glory of God that is going to be revealed as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory of God is not going to be glory that's pouring around the earth somewhere. It's going to be, be the glory within people that wherever the glory carriers are, more and more and more glory is manifesting which is the supernatural power of God, which is the fullness of the gifts of God pouring out of people's lives. And he says it will be as the waters cover the sea, friends. That's the season we're living in. It's the most exciting season. You know, Joel wrote before the great and dreadful day of God. But Peter said before the great and glorious day of God. Why glorious? Because once you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, 
everything turns to glory. He turns everything that's terrible to good and glory. God is glorified and we are filled with glory. How amazing is that? I really hope that I can get you to understand the privileged times that we're living in, friends. Now, in the New Testament, Paul describes the gifts of God in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, verse 4, and verse 8. It says this, about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Then he goes on to say there's different types of gifts, but the same spirit. There's different types of gifts, but one spirit. Now, I want you to see this. There's one Holy Spirit. He is the pneuma, the breath, the wind of God. But he comes with a whole lot of gifts. In the New Testament, Paul describes them as nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when we look at the Old Testament, we see that there are the seven spirits before the throne. Now, the seven spirits before the throne, which is like a diamond with seven sides, because they each one reflects a different facet of the gift of the Holy Spirit. As, he's, as that is described in the Old Testament, Paul says, guys, do you know what part of that's going to be available to us? And then he just gives us nine of the factors that are going to be available to us. So I want to just look at them and give you some deeper insight into what we're talking about as the multifaceted diamond of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is just poured out, <laughs> poured out to the whosoever wants it. I want it, don't you? Much, much more. I, I just can't get enough of our glorious Holy Spirit. There's the word of wisdom. There's the word of knowledge. There's faith. These are supernatural dunamis gifts that bring heaven's level of power to earth. Through the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, the gifts, plural, of healing. Miraculous power, which means creation, recreation. Prophecy, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and discerning between spirits. So one spirit, many gifts. Now I'm going to talk about the Old Testament gifts. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to me with me to Isaiah 11 verse 1. And if you haven't, you can just listen. Now, Isaiah 11 talks about the fact that Jesus himself was op operated under the fullness of the seven spirits before the throne. And as I told you last week or the week before, Jesus did nothing without doing what the Father told him to do and the power of the Holy Spirit. But he operated under the seven spirits before the throne. Now, um, in Isaiah 1 verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon them. So we see that the seven spirits before the throne are the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Wisdom, the Spirit of Understanding, the Spirit of Counsel, the Spirit of Might, the Spirit of Knowledge, the Spirit of the Fear of the Lord. Seven facets, seven-sided diamond of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says in Isaiah 1 verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon them. In Isaiah 40 verse 7, it says the Spirit of the Lord blows on them. So we know that he's the pneuma, the breath, the wind, and he's the life. He's, he's, a, he's a perception. We can see him. We can feel him. I spoke about going deeper, how you can feel the move of the wind. There's a scripture that says no one can see the wind, but you can know where it's blowing because of the response of the trees. Acts 2 verse 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So very often when the Holy Spirit arrives, you can feel the breeze, you can feel the wind, or you can get this rushing wind that just comes in and vibrates the whole place. It depends on how strongly he blows into the place. Now we're going to be talking about the Spirit of the Lord because the Spirit of the Lord is the first facet of the, the gifts of the seven spirits before the throne. It's a very proud, powerful spirit. It's mentioned 31 times in the in the old test and in the old, I'm sorry, in the strongest concordance. There are 31 times that it's mentioned, and there are 31 different aspects that it talks about. The first part of the, the Spirit of the Lord is when He comes on us, it's to give us rest. Isaiah 63 verse 14 says, The Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. This is how you guided your people to make yourself a glorious name. Now friends, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, our Father says, Come unto me, all you that are burdened, and I will give you rest. In Matthew 10, I mean, that's John 10, verse 9 and 10. 
Jesus says, I'm the gate. Whoever comes into the pasture and goes out will find rest. So we've got to understand that every part of the Godhead, the Trinity, operates out of rest. When God created, God planned it, God spoke it, Jesus and the Holy Spirit created every day of the seven days of Genesis. It says, and it was night and it was morning the first day. And it was night and it was morning the second day. Why did they do that? Because God is nothing out of rest. Worldly wisdom says, work and collapse and sleep. Work and collapse and sleep. God says, rest, I will empower you and go do what I've told you to do. Rest, I will empower you, go do what I told you to do. So when the Spirit of the Lord comes on us, friends, the very first thing that happens is we rest. Now that isn't just collapsing physically. While your brain is so full of all kinds of ideas that you've got no peace and your emotions are in a turmoil, it means coming into stillness, body, soul, and spirit. It means coming to the Father and unloading. It's been a busy time, but I give it all to you. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to receive. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to love on you. And I'm just going to receive restoration and refreshing. Psalm 23 says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me, makes me. He says, lie down now. And friends, it's not often that God makes us. Most of the time he says, you choose. Because he doesn't violate our will. But when it comes to rest, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit offer us rest. And I want to tell you, we just have to come to a place where we just lie down. And Jesus says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he restores my soul. So the very first part of the Spirit of the Lord is to lead us into rest, friends. And I honestly want to say this to you. Until you've learned how to live according to the kingdom of God, rest and pour out, rest and pour out, rest and pour out. If you live like that, you will never burn out. If you don't live like that, you will burn yourself out and you will have all kinds of physical complications because our body wasn't made to strive, to function to the point of exhaustion. Our body was made to be refreshed emotionally, physically and mentally, to hear God, to receive from God and just to go give it away. That is called being led by the Spirit of God. So the very first thing we see is that the Spirit of Lord of the Lord releases rest on the people so that they can do what he's called them to do. The second part of the gift of the Spirit of the Lord. And an example we see in Isaiah 61 verse 1, where Jesus quotes it later on, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the meek or the poor, to set me, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to open up the prisoners and to let them come out. <clears throat> Everyone that's been bound is to be set free. So what's the second part? The second most important anointing that is attached or comes with the Spirit of the Lord. It is freedom, friends, freedom, freedom. He comes to heal us emotionally. He comes to set us free of any demonic oppression that we're under. He comes to heal our bodies. He comes to set us free from bloodline curses. He comes to set us free from powers that have been controlling us and putting us into prison. He comes to set us free from hell. He comes to set us free. And so we have to understand that true freedom means that we're no longer under domination or bondage or manipulation or control. And the moment that anything or anybody forces us to be under control, it violates the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is freedom. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And then the spirit of the Lord comes and he anoints people to set other people free. How amazing is that? Free of guilt, free of shame, free of, of, of um, judgment, free, free, free. I said last week, God is not our tormentor. The devil is. And if you're battling with guilt and torment all the time, you are not free. And he anoints us to help others come into freedom. Friends, the spirit of the Lord brings incredible freedom. If you want to live in the full freedom 
of the kingdom of heaven. Ask God for more. Ask and he shall have. Seek and he shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. It's a free gift. Freely you've received. Freely give. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. He says in Luke 4 verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And so are we. How amazing is that? How absolutely wonderful is that? It says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 7, 17 to 18, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a, in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord brings freedom and He transforms us all the time. As I keep saying, friends, we should all be changing. We should never be the same. If you're still the same person you were a month ago, you haven't moved through the Holy Spirit. He's transforming us all the time. And how does he do it? Through the still small voice that says, do it like this, do it like this, don't do it like that. And he directs us and he shows us how to go. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, friends, there is freedom. And once you've tasted freedom, and I've done a teaching on what true freedom looks like, you never want to be in bondage of religion again. You never want to be in bondage of the fear of man and political spirits again. You never want to be in bondage of a spirit of fear again. Because the spirit of fear makes us a slave, friends. And the spirit of the Lord comes to set us free from the spirit of fear. God is speaking to somebody today. He just says, ask. And you can have everything, everything, every gift that is available to you. You don't have to live in your prison anymore. You don't have to live in the prison of depression. You don't have to live in the prison of self-worthlessness. You don't have to live in the prison, uh, the prison of fear anymore, friends. The Spirit of the Lord is freely available to set us free. And there are people that He pours out His Spirit on that are anointed to help set each other free. There's no excuse. You either choose a prison or you choose freedom. I want to tell you this, you either choose your prison or you choose freedom. The choice is yours. But if you submit and you surrender and you just ask him, oh, my friend, freedom is the most wonderful thing on earth. It is, there's nothing that compares to being loved by the Father, set free by the Son, full of the Holy Spirit to watch him outpouring in your life and living in a freedom that even if people had to physically put you in prison, they cannot take away the freedom of your soul and your spirit because that is empowered by an almighty, supernatural, eternal, omnipresent, omnipotent God. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more greater than that. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord also empowers us to be able to prophesy. Remember, Paul said a gift of prophecy. Now, the Spirit of the Lord empowers us to be able to prophesy. So Saul the king prophesied when the Spirit of the Lord came on. 1 Samuel 10 verse 6, 16 and uh, 1 Samuel 16 verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon him and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed to a different person. Now remember, when the Spirit of the Lord brings prophecy, people that receive that prophecy should be changed. If they're not changed, then one of two things happened. Either they've rejected the word or it wasn't a prophecy from God. It was a good idea. It was a thought of human beings. It was something to come and stroke you and encourage you. But when you talk from a place of a mental compassion or understanding, you're only going to reach somebody in a mental and an emotional way. But when you talk from the spirit, you speak into their spirit and their lives are transformed. So, so um, Samuel said to Saul, you're going you're gonna to go among the prophets and you're going to prophesy, but you're also going to be changed into a different person. Uh, chapter 16 says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Why? Because he experienced the changes and the empowerment, but he chose to go back to his fear-driven personality that was always hiding away and always feeling insignificant. He was full of rejection, and he refused to let the Spirit of the Lord deal with that rejection and transform him permanently. And friends, that's the most saddest thing on earth. Because so many people want transformation and change. But to be able to be changed, you've got to receive the gift of God. 
But then you have got to take your thoughts captive. You've got to change some patterns in your life. And if you don't change patterns in your life, it comes back seven times stronger. Very, very big warning. Don't ask God to transform and change you if you're not prepared to be obedient and come into agreement with what the Spirit is doing and saying. And the greatest weapon of our warfare, and I say this almost every week, is taking your thoughts captive. Friends, brooding is the pit of hell. If you are always brooding, that's why I said to you, to go on a silent retreat can be the most dangerous thing on earth because you take your problems in your head with you. But if you go on a silent retreat and you come into stillness and you enter into rest, it's the most powerful thing on this earth. David the king operated as a prophet under the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Samuel 23 verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. <clears throat> and that's exactly what it should be. The Spirit of the Lord speaking through you, not you using your ideas of what it should be, modifying the word the way you think it should be, making it more harsh than it should be, or, or coloring it in more than it should be. It should just be your mouth and the Spirit speaking through your mouth. Just like I said last week, I think, that we might, if we have a look at a, at a microphone, the microphone does nothing except amplify the voice of the one speaking. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter how colorful it is. It doesn't matter how old and ugly it is. The job of that microphone is only just to amplify what the person is saying. And friends, your voice is only there to amplify what the Spirit of God is saying. And it's not you to bring changes by how pretty the microphone is. It's just you amplifying what God has said. That's what prophecy is. Jezeel prophesied and encouraged King Jehoshaphat under the anointing. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 14 to 16. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jezeel as he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord is saying to you. Do not be afraid of discouraged. Um, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And friends, I want to say that that's still true. Don't be afraid and discouraged because how big the problem is. The battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Ezekiel prophesied under the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord. Ezekiel 11 verse 5. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on me and he told me to say, This is what the Lord says. Micah prophesied under the anointing of the Spirit. Micah 3 verse 8 to 9 says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might, to declare to Judah his transgression, to Israel, uh, to Israel his sin. Hear this. And so Micah said, I am filled with the power of God and the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and might, to come and say what God is saying. Prophecy is a dunamis gift, friends, and true prophecy will always transform a life. Remember that. When somebody prophesies into your spirit and it just, you know that something has happened inside of you and they've built you with, they've empowered you, they've encouraged you and they've given you direction and you can never be the same again because there's been a rhema explosion within you. That's a prophecy from heaven. Number four, the spirit of the Lord came to bring government, just, just, justice and courage. Othniel governed Israel in peace for 40 years, just as long as, as Saul did, David did, and Deborah did. They all, they all um, governed for 40 years, and Othniel did this as well. And it says in Judges 3, verse 10 and 11, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel, who was Caleb's younger brother, and he governed Israel. When Othniel went into battle, the Lord handed um, the country into his control. As a result, the land was quiet. For 40 years. So when there is justice and government from the Spirit of the Lord, there is peace on the land, friends. Isn't that amazing? We pray for the Spirit of the Lord over South Africa. We pray for the Spirit of the Lord over the nations so that once again we can taste and see what true peace looks like. Gideon operated under the Spirit of the Lord. Judges 6 verse 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the all these fancy names in the Old Testament, I can't say half of them. And they followed him into battle. Then it says in Judges eleven twenty nine. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. Fancy name for a son. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah and, 
um, Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Amorites. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to govern with justice and courage. Peter speaks to Ananias and Sapphira about lying to the Spirit of the Lord. Peter asked him, Why has Satan filled your heart that, so that you should lie to the Holy Spirit? Peter said to her, How could you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? So we see that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's rest. We see that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's government with justice and courage. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's prophecy and prophetic direction and clarity. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's incredible anointing to live in freedom. And then the Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit that brings the power. Now remember, dunamis is power gifts. So it's the Spirit of the Lord that brings the power gifts that we can operate under. And we see Samson being being um, the Spirit of the Lord coming on Samson. Let me read to you from Judges 14 verse 6 and 19. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson so that he tore a lion apart with his bare hands. Imagine that, friends. Imagine literally just opening the lion's mouth and tearing him apart. That is supernatural strength. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to another fancy name and he struck down 30 of their men. Just to quickly go down, struck down 30 men and then came back under their power of the Lord. Judges 15, 14 says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the blindness dropped from his and the and the bindings dropped from his hands, and he struck down a thousand men. So here we see Samson being bound, and the Spirit of the Lord comes and he breaks the bounds. You know, everyone's looking for a superhero, and they've got all these incredible superheroes on the movies, and every child's imagining themselves a superhero. Well, I've got a really good quick fix for you. Just desire and ask for more of the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm telling you, you will live in the supernatural power of God. I've seen it. I've experienced it. It is the most wonderful thing. You can't live there permanently because you will burn out. And just like Superman, you've got to have a normal, a normal person at times that suddenly turns into this powerhouse. It's exactly the same, except it's not a counterfeit. It's not a story. It's real because it's the power of God that comes upon people. David operated under the anointing of the power. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 13 it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. And guess what? David also killed a lion and killed a bear. And he was only a little teenager when he did that because of the power of the Spirit of the Lord. As the power or fire of God um, this is the power of fire of God that Jesus spoke about when he told the apostles to wait until the Spirit comes on you. You will receive power, it says in Acts 1 verse 8, when the Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Friends, it's time we started seeing the power of God again. The church is not meant to be an institution and it's not meant to be a community of just happy people that all get together and love on each other. That's wonderful. But those happy people that get together, that love on each other, should be the most powerful force on earth. And just like in Acts where it says, nobody would join them because they were scared of them. But people were added to their number daily. Who were added to their number? Those that were desperate for the same power. And friends, there has to be something of a fear of the Lord that comes upon us. And upon the righteousness of God, when we start asking for more of him and wanting more of him. Now, the next facet of the Spirit of the Lord, remember it's just the one facet of the diamond of the full Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of the Lord has different types of anointings that come with it. And this one is very important for me to mention, because this one is the transporting of people. Now friends, when we are living under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides us, prods us, shows us, directs us, tells us what to say, tells us what to do. He's a, he's a small whisper in our heart. And he says, go left, don't go right. And, and as we learn to be obedient to him, he will lead us wherever he wants us to be because it's always about the Father. He'll lead us to Jesus. Jesus leads us to the Father. Everything is about fulfilling the will of the Father. They work together. And when we come into alignment or into agreement with the Holy Spirit, then 
Father to Son to Spirit to us. There's no change. We just are operating under that same anointing. Now, when we've learned and understood how to listen to the whisper, how to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, how to be passionate about the, our bridegroom who's coming back to fetch us, how to be obedient to the voice of the Spirit. Sometimes he won't just nudge us emotionally or anoint us to speak the things. He will literally lift us physically, body, soul, and spirit and place us in another place because that's where he needs us to be. And that's called transporting. Now, I want to say this to you. We're not to be so incredibly in awe at the mystery of the spirit of the Lord and be hankering after transporting because the devil is a counterfeiter and he will lead you into things that are going to be incredibly dark and demonic. Because when people are transported under the power of the devil, their soul leaves their body and they go wandering around the world. That's not what transporting is. Transporting is when your whole body goes and then your whole body comes back. That's transporting and it's not something you can practice and it's not something you can will. It's something that you just allow the Holy Spirit to do when he wants to do it for his glory. And so it's never about being in awe at the fruit it's about being in awe at the giver of the fruit. Now, Elijah was transported by the Spirit of the Lord. 1 Kings 18 verse 12. I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave here. And this is what um, Elijah's servants commented to Elijah. We don't even know where you're going to end up being. You're going to leave here, but we don't even know where you're going to go. Because Elijah was always just appearing in places because the Holy Spirit would transform. Why did the Holy Spirit do that? Because he was full of the Spirit, he was obedient to the Spirit, and he was living for the kingdom. That's the key, friends. It's not about learning and trying to make it happen through your intellect, because that's when the devil plays into that playground. It's about being so obedient that if he wants to take you, he can, and bring you back, because he is God. And 2 Kings 2 verse 16, it says, Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. So they knew that Elijah had this habit of just appearing and disappearing as God wanted him to appear and disappear. Ezekiel was transported by the Spirit of the Lord. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. And the hand of the Lord was on him, and it brought him out, it brought him out by the hand and set him in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. Now I want to tell you that sometimes it happens physically, that people can literally see it happening. And sometimes it happens in a vision where you literally are taken in a vision and you go and experience something and you come back. But when that happens, the place that you went, they are aware that it happened. And you might be sleeping and be taken in a vision. And where you land, they will know that you were there. They will have encountered you and there will be evidence that you were there. And then you will come back. And your body wasn't involved in that at all. And yet... All of you landed in that place and they could see you, they could talk to you, they could touch you. Now that's happened many, many times and that's very exciting. I've only ever been transported once and it wasn't something I desired. I was sleeping, I woke up and as I woke up, I realized I was in Greece. I thought, God, what's happening here? Why am I here? And he led me around and he showed me things and he said, I don't want you to partake of anything. I haven't given you currency here, but I want you to see what's happening and I want you to know what's happening. And I had this encounter of being in this beautiful place and, and being aware of everything that's happening. And the next moment I was back in my room and I would love that to happen much more. But you know what? There was a reason the Holy Spirit needed that. And if it ever happens, it'll be for his glory. And I can tell you many, many stories. But I want to warn you again, friends, don't hanker after it because you're going to get into trouble. You're not the one doing it. He is. And when we try and do it, we fall right into the enemy's trap. Let him do what he wants to do. <clears throat> Philip was transported. Acts 8 verse 39. And the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And that's when we know that he baptized the, the, the eunuch. And he um, explained everything about the gospel to him. And then suddenly he was taken away. So no one is, um, who is transported by the Spirit of the Lord sought after being transported. It was, not, it was the will of the Spirit of the Lord to carry them off where the Father needed them to be. It was not their will. And I cannot stress this enough because there's so many people that are more in, in, or more in, interested in the experiences and they're more interested in the mysteries and I want to tell you, friends, the devil cannot wait for us to fall into the trap. 
Just be passionately in love with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Love them, worship them, spend time with them. Let that be your main focus. And you will marvel at what the Spirit of the Lord will do in your life. It's not about the experiences, but it's about the one that gives them. And then the last aspect of the Spirit of the Lord is that he raises a standard. It says in Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, and oh my goodness, haven't we seen that? And that just ties in with the increase of darkness. The increase of darkness, the Spirit of the Lord anoints for the light to shine. And it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. And that means to fly an attack. That means to put to fight. That means to cause to disappear or to hide. So he will either hide you while he fights on your behalf, but he will raise a standard. Your life will be a standard. And I want to say this to you, friends. It is time for the church, the bride of Christ, to be a standard. To rise up and to say, this is an absolute and I will not allow the flooding of the demonic, the flooding of political spirits, and the flooding of the darkness to sweep away what is godly, what is moral, what is right, what is an absolute to the things of God. And I want to tell you, church, you better understand what the absolutes are. You better understand what they are. That is why the foundational teachings that I did out of Hebrews are so incredibly important. Because if we do not stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And it breaks my heart to see how many Christians are so happy to be swept away by the flooding of the darkness in this time. And they don't stand for truth, for family, for children, for morality, for what is God and what is not God. We were created in the image and likeness of God. The devil is trying to destroy the image and likeness of God. And that is why the political spirits are trying to remove our very gender, our very understanding of who we are as people. The very understanding of our children being brought under such confusion, friends. Breaking down what's family, what is made in the image and likeness of God. Husband, wife, children. That is truth. And brokenness causes people to get lost. But friends, because they lost and because they're broken and because they need healing, you are anointed to help them come into healing. And it doesn't help if we come into agreement with it. Because who's going to help any of us then, friends? Light is still light. Darkness is still darkness. God is a righteous, pure God. The devil is evil. Eternity belongs to two places. Eternity with the Father. And eternity is a very long time. Or eternity in the fires of hell under the screams and tormentings of demons with Satan. Those absolutes are never going to change, friends. And we have to be so convinced, so unshakably convinced of truth that we can be a standard that says that's deception. I'm sorry, I can't stand for that. But Kathy, what if you offend people? You know what, friends, the, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Sometimes the mind is offended so that the heart can be set free. And when you do everything because you love people, offense doesn't come that easy. But even if it does come, it brings freedom. Offend the mind to set the heart free. You will know the truth. You may be offended by it, but the truth will set you free. The Spirit of God raises a standard. The Spirit of the Lord raises a standard. Cry out for more of the Spirit of the Lord and be the standard that God wants you to be. So there you go. Gosh, I've spent almost an hour just talking about the Spirit of the Lord. Well, maybe that was all I needed to share with you today. But I'm going to recap quickly because I want you to really think about the Spirit of the Lord. Remember, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 about the nine gifts of God and those gifts of prophecy, which the Spirit of the Lord brings. Power, which the Spirit of the Lord brings. And so we go back and we see freedom, which the Spirit of the Lord brings. And so we see that the Spirit of the Lord is the one that just comes upon us with, a, with heaven's level authority and power, friends. The first thing he does is to lead us into rest. And if you have a problem with rest and you have a problem with stilling your mind and you have a problem with coming into the peace of God, I want to say to you this week, just practice that. Just practice putting time aside. Matthew 6, go into the cupboard, shut out the world. Come before the Father listen, don't pray, just listen, worship him until the atmosphere changes and enter into rest. Friends, rest 
is not lying down, rest is not going on holiday, rest is not collapsing on a couch. Rest is when your mind is quiet, when your spirit is open to the Father, and when you are being refreshed and restored by Jesus. That's rest. And you can come out of there full of the Holy Spirit, ready to just overflow. My cup overflows. And wherever my cup overflows, goodness and mercy follow me. Wherever your cup overflows, goodness and mercy follow you. How can it overflow? Rest. So, Spirit of the Lord brings rest. The Spirit of the Lord brings freedom. Wherever you go, you bring freedom. Because you walk in freedom. And when people see somebody that is not under circumstances, but they're always rising above them, eventually they'll argue with you in the beginning, and then eventually they will desire what you have. And you are anointed to bring them into freedom. The Spirit of the Lord brings freedom. The Spirit of the Lord brings prophecy. Dunamis life-changing anointed prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord brings the Word of God to people through your mouth. The Spirit of the Lord brings justice, courage, and true godly government. And where the government of God is, there is peace. The Spirit of the Lord brings supernatural power and strength into the lives of people. And the Spirit of the Lord transports people. And finally, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard. And friends, never before have we needed a standard in a confused, broken, dying world than we need now. Jesus, thank you for the Spirit that you have released because the Holy Spirit comes from you. You introduced him, you released him, you've empowered us and you've brought him into the world in this time and you have poured him out at a far greater increasing measure than ever before. My prayer this week is for everyone watching that they will desire more of the Spirit of the Lord. Ask and he shall have, seek and he shall find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. Isaiah 11 verse 1. And then Revelations talks about the seven spirits before the throne repeatedly when we see the, the description of the kingdom of heaven and the seven spirits before the throne being poured out so that we can enjoy it and just be overwhelmed by the beauty of their friends. I love you. I care deeply about you. And if one person's life has changed because of this message, God will be glorified. Until we meet again next week. Goodbye.